Good morning and welcome everyone to our worship service at the United Methodist Church, Westlake Village, this Sunday, May 15th, 2022. We are glad that you are joining us either in person, mask on or mask off, whatever makes you feel comfortable is your privilege nowadays. We just ask that you consider the, the sensitivity of your neighbor's health safety concerns. Or if you are joining us online, we welcome you to be a part of our worshiping congregation. A couple quick announcements. We are taking people into membership uh, the first Sunday of June. If that is something that you would like to do, uh, contact me, let me know. We're having a conversation on the 22nd, May 22nd after worship about membership. Koku is here now on campus on the next few Wednesdays. So at 5.30 on Wednesday, if you wanna see what this is about, come and join us. Uh, a dinner, adult class, and a, a brief worship moment is a part of this experience. We're talking about discipleship. Pizzazz comes up the last week of July in VBS, the first week of August. Um, children or grandchildren, uh, welcome, please. Uh, Contact the church office and, and see what seems right for you. And then we have a special uh, refugee program on May 22nd at 4 p.m. over our Zoom connection. It's a, it's a marvelous opportunity for us to hear what it's like to be a refugee and to go through the, the challenges of it. So um, if you think that would be a benefit for you to open your heart a little bit and, and hear the story of the of the challenges that are a part of it. Uh, we will have a, a guest speaker, Addis Peterson, with us to, to help us uh, get a glimpse of what that experience is like or was like for him and what it is like perhaps for people who are becoming refugees uh, in our current day. Uh, a special program for that. Rachel is at Thousand Oaks this morning. We will miss her, but she'll be with us at the children's story via the mystery and magic of video. So let's center ourselves this morning and uh, connect with God, worshiping God, growing ourselves a little closer in discipleship. <laughs> stand as you are able and join with me in the call to worship. Each new day gives us an opportunity to get it right with God and with our neighbors. Inspire us and guide us in this endeavor of faith, Lord God. Please remain standing and let's sing.
Let us pray. Holy God, through your mercy, we are given the opportunities to grow into our better selves, the selves you would have us be, as you illumine our way forward on this life journey before us. Help us, Lord God. Help us to be your best children. We are blessed by your grace. Help us to reflect your love to the world all around us. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Good morning, friends. How are you? I am sorry that I'm not with you in worship today, but today I am at United Methodist Church, Thousand Oaks, and I will be next week too uh, preaching for Pastor Anna, who's on vacation. I am sad that I'm missing the next two weeks of church because of the fact that these traveler's tales that the adults are listening to have been wonderful. I have loved them so much, and I will go back and listen to the two that I'm missing because they're so amazing. The thing that's the coolest about these Traveler's Tales is that it reminds us that each and every one of us has a story and can look for where we have experienced God in the midst of all that we've gone through. Have you ever had a week that is really difficult? Uh, you got lots of tests, you have to go to practice and you don't want to. I, I don't know, I'm, I'm coming up with examples there. It's been a hard week in our family. Mark and Maya's daddy has been in the hospital for a while. We're worried about him. He had surgery. So we, we feel a bit sad and we feel worried and nervous. And one of the things that we have done often is to take a moment to pray, to ask God to be with their daddy, to help him heal, and to be with his doctors as they perform the surgery. All of those prayers have happened. Sometimes it feels like we're in a dark place, and that's okay. As long as we remember that God is there helping to shine a light so that we know that we're not alone, so that we know that we are loved. As we travel on our journey of life, we have a God who is with us every step of the way. How amazing is that? I hope that you can find ways to talk to God when you're sad, when you're scared, and remember that God is always with you. So when you're doing something scary or difficult, maybe you can have the reminder that you have that support system you need in God and your loved ones. We're gonna do our prayer a little bit different today. Pastor Walt gave me a challenge and we're gonna see if this feels comfortable to us. So will you guys join me in a moment of prayer? Dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for all of our yesterdays and all of our tomorrows. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being with us and helping us when things are hard. Help us to find reminders of you. 
Amen. All right, guys, have a fabulous Sunday school today. Take care. Let us set ourselves and uh, go to God in prayer. Holy God, we pray that you would hear the stirrings of our spirits, the yearnings of our minds, and the hopes of our hearts as we join with one another in prayer this morning. All too often, we are not... reflecting your love and your grace as fully as we should in our lives. We call that sin. And we take a moment now to confess privately ours. Help us, Lord God, to leave that behind and to be renewed by your forgiving grace, resolved to walk better in your love. We ask for help in our lives with our, our many daily concerns as we face our, our ongoing challenges. We pray for those who are struggling with, with physical or mental health issues with troubled relationships, with uncertain employment, or other forms of, of disease and discomfort. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. Particularly this morning, we think of Cass, Kathy Drake and her husband Ken as they enjoy grant parenthood and at the same time deal with the effects of how cancer is affecting their lives. We think of Bill and Sandy Nordoff as Sandy continues to recover from her surgery and Bill faces into the future of managing his health with a cancer. Oh Lord, hear our lives. For Janet Addison, who has cancer behind her eye and seeks treatment strategies. For Diane Lawson, who is dealing with a number of health issues. And for a friend of the gears, Barbara, who is being treated for a very serious blood condition. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. For Warren Tabitol as he recovers from his colon surgery and for Pastor Rachel's family as they deal with the uncertainty and the worries of his health. Oh Lord, 
hear our prayers. We pray for Henning and Linda Otson, family and friends who mourn the recent death of their son, Hans, and for the friends and family of Skylar Knowlton who uh, passed on this last Thursday, Tuesday. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. For the victims and the injured and the, the traumatized by the grocery store shooting in Buffalo, O oh Lord, hear our prayers. For those suffering from the Ukraine war, we think particularly of the Gears co-worker, Sasha, and her family who are distraught over the well-being of Sasha's mother who lives in the Kiev area. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. And for all those suffering from COVID, their caregivers, in the hospital and at home who are helping them regain their health. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We think this morning also, Lord God, of particular moments of joy that have been a part of our lives. We thank you for the healing and the brightness of good experiences. And we think particularly of Yvonne Cullen, who is now cancer-free, and for Carol Ames' sister, Mary Kay, who has returned home from the hospital. Oh, Lord, hear our prayers. And we think of others who we lift up privately in our thoughts. come into these lives, Lord God, in a powerfully new way that helps these folks we have mentioned know your support, know your nurture, know your healing power. We pray for our church as we continue in our ministries through these times. We ask for your help in maintaining and increasing our effectiveness and our vitality. May the good we do be pleasing in your sight. All this we pray in your son's holy name, joining together in the prayer he taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom 
and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This May, we are having a sermon series to encourage us all to think theologically about our lives and consider just how it is that God is moving along with us in our journey. We've arranged for four members of our congregation to share their faith stories over this month of Sundays, and we've enjoyed, I hope, learning about those stories and their spiritual development, and and perhaps in the hearing of those stories, experiencing a, uh, a nudge or two of the Spirit in our own lives to move along with God. And so we are calling this series Traveler Tales. Now, on the weeks prior, we've met Julie Elginer and Nancy Moravec. Today, we chat with David Kettle. David is a a relatively new member among us, having joined our congregation uh, just prior to the pandemic. 
coming over from Woodland Hills United Methodist Church. He's in the choir over there, and David, I want to beckon you to come on over, make your way over as we start to get ready for our conversation. He's in the choir, and he is the convener of our new LGBTQI affinity group. Now, here is the scripture that David has chosen to frame his traveler tale. It comes from the Gospel of John, from the 14th chapter. Hear these words. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. David, welcome. Here we go. Here we go, friend. <laughs> so you're number three of a group of four here, yeah. but like um, one of our prior contestants, you grew up in the Midwest, so tell us a little bit about your early years. I think it's Michigan that you hail from. Tell yeah. us a little bit about those early years. Well, I'm a little old country boy from Hall, Michigan, is what I like to tell everybody. And uh, probably in the mid, early part of 1950, my mother didn't feel very good. And she went to the country doctor, Dr. Schertzer was his name, and he looked at her and run some tests, and, and he leaned back, and mother was sitting down, and she said, the only problem with you, Mrs. Kettle, is you're pregnant. And she was married in 1933 and never had any children, so I was a surprise. <laughs> you were surprised? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was a surprise, and we grew up Methodist. Um, I started singing in the, uh, in the Howell Methodist Church, uh, Howell is halfway between Lansing and Detroit, uh, a very conservative place now that I live in this liberal area. So, I mean, uh, it was just so conservative. Um, even the Ku Klux Klan used to burn crosses on the, on the town square. So, I, oh boy. I just really, I never agreed with any of it. Of course, there's a lot of things I don't agree with. So, um, you know, I just never did. So, so what was that like in the, in the church? If this was a community in which crosses were being burned, did the, did the church seem to turn a blind eye to that? Or was your church sensitive to the, the trauma never, being I caused? I never heard the minister talk about it. The only thing that I ever got him really pounding the pulpit one in his Reverend Gray and it was the time that the malls were open on Sunday. And he had a complete meltdown. <laughs> he was banging the Pope and we're not going to tolerate having the malls open on Sunday. Everybody belongs in church. There you go. But um, um, going back to uh, the, my mother and my father, but there was, we had a tragic event uh, in, on September 25th of uh, 1951, I was eight months old, my father was killed in an automobile accident. 
So uh, one thing that I always regret about that is I never got to know him. I asked a lot of family members what he was like. He looks a lot like me. I look a lot like my mother. I guess that's normal. So, uh, and then my mother remarried in 1960 to the postmaster and uh, had a wonderful relationship with my stepfather and he lived until 1990 and mother just passed uh, in 2011 at the age of 97. So I guess I'll be around a while. So you came out of that Michigan uh, area and, and went to college, but it was, it, was it at Big Blue or? or well, I, I went to a community. Spartan, or what were you? Uh, well, I'm, of course, the University of Michigan. Oh, of course. Of course, I should have known. I, I should have known. <laughs> All right. Go blue. And you Go know, blue. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. Did you like your college years? I did. I did. And, and after college, uh, what was life like for you? What happened? What were you, what were you doing? Well, I got a library degree. And um, they, they called from the school and said there was an opening at some place called Ingham Medical Center. It was a hospital. And of course, my first question to them was, what does that have to do with a library, okay? Well, they said they have a medical library. Well, I said, I have no training in medicine. I don't even know most of the terminology. So I went for the interview, and I met with the president of the hospital. And he wanted to know what my goals were. Well, I said, eventually, I'd like to work at the Library of Congress in Washington. Well, maybe you can just work here for a while first. So I did. <laughs> so I met the librarian that was leaving that day. I had the interview on a Thursday. Friday, they called me. You know, things really moved fast back then. Called me on Friday and said, oh, you're hired. Will you please report um, uh, Monday uh, morning at 8? I said, oh, OK. So I went there. And um, they took me to the emergency room. Back then, the physical uh, was having your blood pressure and your temperature taken, and that was about it. That was your physical. So um, then they took me, lead me down to the administrator's office, and I said, oh, where's the librarian? Oh, she left at 5 o'clock on Friday. Here are the keys. Here she go. So that's how I started as Not a medical a librarian. <laughs> Not a lot of training for you in that. No. And these doctors would come in, and they would spiel off these long medical terms. And I thought, oh, OK. Well, then I would work on it. So you did figure it out, and you, you ended up, I don't want to rush through your story too much, but you no, no, ended no. up staying as a librarian in the medical community, right? But there was, there was a, a particular um, appointment for you mm -hmm. on a, a, a beautiful island with palm trees. And Do you want to say anything about that story? Oh, of course. Yeah, I can do that. All right. Because you know. this one you're talking about is in Indiana or something, right? In the Indiana, no, never it, Indiana. It was never Indiana. It was Michigan? No, and we didn't like Ohio either from Michigan. <laughs> we hated Ohio State. Okay. I understand that. Okay. I, I still hear that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I was at uh, Ingham Medical Center in Lansing, Michigan uh, for 22 years. 
And then they had a merger of a hospital, and since I, had, I made the most money and had the longest longevity, they told me that, so long, we'll give you a severance package and you can go. So about a year before that, I saw an ad for a library position in the Caribbean. And I fired off the uh, email, uh, and it came back that that had been filled, but they wanted to make sure that they kept me if they had any other openings. So shortly after my discharge from the hospital in Lansing, I got a call from New York, from Ross University School of Veterinary Medicine, which of course I don't know anything about veterinary medicine other than being on the farm. We had cows and horses and whatever. So um, they said, well, you have to come. We, the head of the uh, school wants to interview you in New York. I said, fine. They sent me a ticket, I flew out there, interviewed, and he wouldn't take no for an answer uh, until I finally said, okay, fine, I'll, I'll take the job. And it was in the island of St. Kitts, and uh, it was, uh, the island was 19 miles long, nine miles across. So if you ever heard of island fever? Yeah, that kind of, you know. And we had to go to three different grocery stores to find everything. And you know, the old, the old song, yes, there are no bananas today. There were only bananas on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> so I spent a year there, and I was married. Uh, and my wife at the time didn't like the idea that I was going there. I said, we all should come down. It'd be good for the children. I have two children back then, and um, she had, would have nothing to do with that. So I said, well, I'm sorry, but I'm taking the job. So during that year is when I really came to terms with who I am. And I was not in the right spot. Uh, I was not a straight man. I was a gay man, uh, hung into uh, a situation that uh, got more and more uh, difficult to deal with. So that's kind of where that all happened on the island of St. Kitts. So you had a little more clarity as to your authentic self I did. there. I did. Now, can, can I ask you the, I, I want to ask you the question of how did, um, in, in that process of, of getting more clarity and, and being a little bit more, or, or, or reaching a place where you felt you could be more authentic about who you were, did you feel that God was a part of that process for you? Was well, God yeah. walking with you through that? Yeah, he had to be. Yeah, he had to be to let me know that my true identity was just fine. Because I believe that God loves everybody, even gay people. So uh, they love, he loves them all. So, yeah. God loves us all. Yeah. I'm guessing that, that reaching that place um, probably was a struggle. Well, it was a struggle for 20 years because when I was uh, in college, uh, I had a cousin that said, oh, oh, you're getting too old, you gotta get married, oh my God, gotta get married. And so there was this lady that I worked with in the library at the community, I went to community college first, and um, she went off to Georgia, and I thought, oh good, I'll never see her. But then she, she sent me this, this card and said she uh, wanted to check on me because she was in really good mental health, she told me. So um, we came back, we got married, uh, we had a daughter, and then uh, 
21 months later, we had a son. Uh, but as life went on, and the more went through that, uh, the more I realized, you know, this just isn't workable. And so when I returned from St. Kitts, because she came down once, she'd only come for a week, she wouldn't even go to Brimstone Hill because she didn't like the tires on the rental car I had. So um, when we came back, she said, well, you know, this is what we're going to do, and we're going to do this and this and this. Well, I said, you know, I don't think so. What do you mean? Well, I said, you know, I've been away. I've been to St. Kitts. I have trouble with you. You have island fever, and you never got over it. Well, I said, maybe that's true. And she said, the only thing you would want is a divorce. And I said, I think that's a wonderful idea. So we got divorced. There we go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and what was like, what was life like for you after that kind of decision and, oh, and clarity? It was awesome. <laughs> I could be myself. Then I took a job in Chicago. I worked for a pharmaceutical ad agency. And that's where I actually um, came out as a gay man. Uh, and lived in Oak Park, Illinois. And uh, joined the Methodist Church there. Very liberal town. I don't know if anybody's familiar with it, but it's just really... You know, that was where uh, Steinbeck lived, and he said they have wide streets and narrow minds, but that was back when he did that. <laughs> so they did that. It was very, very liberal. So, and then I sang in the choir, and that's when I was dealing with coming out. And I had this gentleman in the choir tell me one time, well, you're really going to have to be careful because, you know, God is a mean person. And I said, really? Well, I said, I don't agree with you. Well, you're going, you're going straight to H-E-L-L, -L, he told me. And I said, well, I said, no, I'm not. Well, just where are you going then? Oh, I said, I'm going to gay heaven and you're not invited. <laughs> 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 and they have really nice flowers there. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> Well, it, it's, it's an awkward question to ask because it, it, it strikes me that uh, that church in Oak Park um, was helpful. Yes, very helpful. And as you relate this story, probably on occasion was harmful or, or hurtful, or at least some of the people in it might have been Well, that I didn't way. agree with him. And, and you, you seem to have had the strength to... Oh, yeah to hold yourself. Yeah. I, I wonder if, if you have found, as time has passed now from that Oak Park Church, and you, you were in Las Vegas for a while and then out mm -hmm. here, what, what has been your experiences of congregations, of churches? Or have, have you found churches that have had open hearts, or have mm -hmm. you found churches that open have just hearts, been closed? Open hearts, open minds, right? Yeah. That's your slogan, right? That's the Methodist Church's slogan, yeah. and, and sometimes I think we live up to that, and other times I, I worry about us. Well, not all of them were very open. The church in, uh, went to the University Methodist Church in Las Vegas, because I got recruited for a job there uh, to be in, I had three hospital libraries I had to manage, plus continuing medical education. I was there for four years, and I couldn't take Vegas. People there weren't. You know, they were all happy with one another, but any outsider, they didn't want to deal with. Mm. You know, 
Vegas is probably a good thing to go there for three days and wave. So. But uh, they had a new minister come, and he came from Michigan, and he was an arch-conservative after the, the minister that I got to know, he had long hair, and he was just so liberal and nice to deal with. So that's when um, I decided to leave Vegas, and uh, I, I got a new boss at the hospital, and she said to me, well, you know, you're really going to have to work harder, and I already was working at 60, 80 hours a week. So she said, I said to her, what time are you going to get here tomorrow morning? Well, she said, I'd probably get there 8.30 or 9 o'clock. I said, oh, maybe you want to come in early. Because I said, here's the keys. I quit. <laughs> Give her the keys. So I went home, and um, I went online, the computer. We had computers back then. And um, I found this very strange uh, opportunity. There was one in San Diego, and there was one in Woodland Hills, and it was called Kaiser Permanente, and I never heard a thing about that. So I decided I would send it off to apply. Well, Monday morning they called me back and said, oh my, oh, you're, you're, you're thinking of moving to Southern California? Well, I said, I don't know a lot about Southern California, but uh, at that time I had about 30 years of experience experience being a librarian director. So that's how I started there. So we had an interview. They, I flew out, had the interview, and they had to go through there. Had all of these people on this panel that were interviewing me. And so they had their list, and they were all looking down at their papers, and they were checking everything. So they'd ask me one question, I'd answer about three of them. And then they said, oh, well, we've, we've gone through those questions. We'll go on to the next one. So they hired me. And that's how I've been there for the last 17 years. In the Woodland Hills Yeah, facility. Woodland Hills Medical Center. And um, I started, because um, when I came, I think they figured out I might have been gay. So, OK. You know. So then they asked me if I wanted to do anything about uh, stuff, and I said, sure. And so the very first year I was there was 2005, and we got a banner about taking care of people, um, LGBT folk that possibly might have AIDS. So we put it up on the main thing. So I go out there that day and um, just watch them do it, and the engineering people were there. This isn't being taped. Uh, well, it's not only not being <laughs> it's not so, only being taped; it's being shown live oh, right good. now. So that's I, fine. whatever that's you're fine. saying is out of your mouth and around the world. Okay, good. <laughs> so, I just wanted to make sure that everybody could hear this. Everybody will hear okay. it, whether they like it or not. I think whether you like it or not, <laughs> exactly. they're all hearing it. So too. they're there and they're holding up this banner, and the one guy says to the other, oh, "Do you think we'll get AIDS?" From the banner. AIDS from the banner. <laughs> yeah. So that's how we started. And then when I first got there, I had a lot of people there who were real friendly to me because I was the new library director on the block. And then after I started promoting LGBT rights, they uh, stopped talking to me for a couple of years, which, you know, that, that's normal. You know, people have issues about 
us. You know, we only are only like 10 to 20 percent of the population, so they feel that uh, they can ignore us. But I don't. I don't get ignored easily, as you probably figured out. Sometimes people have issues. You're right. Yeah, Sometimes they, they have issues, and and you felt that uh, coming up at the hospital, but you also were able to to deal with it in a positive way. Yeah take upon yourself that burden of dealing with it in a positive way. And some good has come out of that, if I understand right. Oh, yes. Uh, I got appointed back uh, in 2010 to be the, uh, um, the KP Pride, that's Kaiser Permanente Pride Organization for Woodland Hills, and did that for all those years. And then uh, last year, I got an email from the region, from, well, no, it was from Oakland, from the headquarters of all Kaiser. And they wanted to know if I would be interested in applying for, to be the leader of LGBT for Southern California, for all of Kaiser. And I thought, oh, I can do that, I guess. So I thought, oh, I'll never hear from them again. They'll probably find some big wig or somebody to do it. So it was about a month later, I got a, email, and they said, oh, we're having a meeting. Two of us want to interview you for that job. I said, oh, okay. So I did, and they hired me. Hmm. But I have to do that in addition to all my other work. So On fine. top of it? Yeah, it's fine. I can handle that. Uh, it sounds like you could. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you could. That, and, and what that is specifically going to do is um, communicate as broadly as possible a, uh, an acceptance and a, a helping spirit to people who, as they are uh, living their lives, start to reach that sense of understanding to, that you had be, that, they're, that they're gay rather than straight. Yeah, to be open and that everything is okay and nothing's going to bother because at Woodland Hills, I have an equality sign for the human rights campaign on my door. So I promote that this is a safe space. It's like going to Vegas and doing all kinds of crazy things and not letting anybody know about it. That's how I work with my office. They can come in, they can have us. I've talked to parents and children and the whole thing to help in that way. And then we're doing uh, Pride events this year. We're doing one in West Hollywood uh, in June. And then in July, we're doing one uh, in Long Beach and another one in July in San Diego. And because it's so hot in Palm Springs, we're not going there till November. So. And then we're doing other events. We have uh, talking about mental health issues with the LGBT, uh, having uh, near the 30th of, of June, we're doing that with the uh, counseling people as well as KP Pride. So those are some of the things we're doing. I've heard you speak of mental health issues before and how important that is for you since it is it's such a challenge to, um, well, to be it, authentic. Yeah, it goes back to when they thought if you were gay, you were, you were crazy, you know. And finally, later, they, they, they uh, fixed that and said, no, you're not crazy, you're just gay. So, but, um, you know, it's helpful, but there's so much... You know, so many people that um, they get treated badly. You know, I've had bad experience over the years. You know, I had some guy follow me home in Oak Park, California, and didn't like my rainbow um, sign on the back of my Jeep. 
and screamed and called me all these names, and he kept pounding on the window of the driver's side until he broke it, and then he left. So, you know, it doesn't, you know, and there's a lot of hate, you know, going on. It's, it's really bad, so I really hope that we can move on from that. Move on from the hate with, yeah. with an accepting kind of love. Right. As, as we um, look towards our future as a church, you, you have volunteered to give some leadership to be a convener of mm -hmm. what's called an affinity group mm -hmm. for LGBTQI people. You want to say a word about um, what your hopes are for that? Well, my hopes are that we can become an open and affirming, that's the real words that everyone likes to use, church, so that that gay people, lesbian, transgendered, bi, all the whole gamut, depending if they have purple hair or green hair, it doesn't matter. They can become a member of this church and be totally accepted. That is my goal for this church. And uh, it's helpful that we're now uh, being, you know, you put the rainbow stuff on your, on your sign. And uh, so I just hope that we can see more gay people come to this church, because <clears throat> I really like to see. Well, we're communicating an openness and a mm -hmm. welcoming spirit. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that you have felt that among us? Oh yeah, much, much, much more than prior. Uh, the past, before you came, it was not quite the same. So now it's very open. Yeah. We very much enjoy working with you and also with Rachel. She's very, very supportive. So. Well, I appreciate that word of support. I think it's Rachel who has, who has helped us the most to move, to move forward and to own up to what uh, we think Jesus' message is for us of, mm -hmm. of loving one another regardless of how the other presents themselves to us. Um, a key thing. David, thank you for for being willing to share your story with us. Well, you're welcome. God has certainly been, been moving in your life, and, and one of the things that I find important is that you have been moving along with God, with God's sense of love and God's sense of, of support so that you've been able to face um, the difficulties that have come your way with a, with a spirit of caring and a constructive spirit. I do want to say one thing uh, about my life now. Um, when I came to California, <clears throat> had friends, I said, you know, I really gotta find a husband and a partner, and they said, oh, don't worry about it. They'll show up at the door. So about um, six years ago, this guy said, oh, he wanted to meet me. I said, oh, I'll get a bottle of wine, you bring the cheese, and we'll have a meeting. So he did, he showed up at the door, our eyes locked, and we were all done, and we've been together for the last six years. Severin um, is his name, he goes by Seve, and we have a wonderful life. So I wanna let everybody know there's, there's life out there, you can find a person to be with, and you don't have to be straight. <laughs> but if you are straight, I mean, that's, that's okay. I mean, if, if, if that's the case, that's okay, right? And you'll marry us, too. You'll marry gay folk. <laughs>
That that's will true. happen. Yeah. That's where the church is headed. That's great. Well, God bless you. Thank you for sharing and all of us in the congregation and online. We give you Thank thanks. You. Thanks very much. We give you thanks for your witness. Thank you, David. You're welcome. You are invited to uh, share of your financial resources via the instructions that will come up on the screen in a moment or so to help support the ministries of Christ through our congregation. Your generosity is needed to help us keep going, to keep us doing the good we do. So give generously and be a part of what is happening in people's lives through the congregation here at the United Methodist Church. Westlake Village. Let us pray. Let us pray. Most holy God, we thank you for the, the many ways you bless us, especially through the redemptive power of your Son, Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. 
Your gift of new and transformed life is miraculous to us. And the source, the source of our gratitude to you and our love to one another. Across what, whatever barriers there are that divide us. You pray, we pray that you would help us be our best selves as we seek to be the children of your mercy and of your forgiveness, of your peace, and of your justice. Lift us up and send us out to extend your love and grace to all your children. Amen. Please stand and join with us in, in David's choice of our second hymn for us today, Just As I Am. that this service has been a blessing to you. May the story that you have heard encourage you to further partner with God in the writing of your own story, with your own uniqueness, your own way that God has made you part of God's good and diverse creation, so that you might be further blessed by divine grace and by divine love in your life, in the places and in the moments that you need it. We are surely not the same in so many, many ways, but we are one in Christ, one in Christ's love and equal members of God's holy family. This is the great good news. Live it for yourself and for one another. Be safe.
stay healthy and know that you are loved.